No investigation necessary. Welcome to VEASAN's F1 betting podcast. It's lights out, away we go, go, go. Oh, Checo is a legend. Absolute animal. The only F1 handicap you'll ever need. Maybe this isn't right. But the championship can only be won by one. Here are your hosts, F1 technical analyst Mikhail Miranda and betting expert Ben Wilson. Well, it was a big lead up with the Vegas Grand Prix is now in the book series. We're back. Beast and Formula One betting podcast. Final week of this 2023 season. We've got the recap episode for you today with Mikhail Miranda. I'm Ben Wilson. We will also have a full Abu Dhabi Grand Prix preview for you as well. Still some races up for grabs. Some uh, drivers, constructors, positions that are yet to be determined. So we'll see how that all goes uh, this week. But for now, Mikhail, let's talk about Vegas F1. Most buildup we'd had for any race this season. Uh, just from the 3,000-foot perspective here, Mikhail, when you looked at how everything was in the lead-up to the race and how things end up playing out, Max Verstappen got bet down as low as we saw, minus 180, 185 in some of the shops here in Vegas. Uh, he, he ends up getting the win. First question to you is, did you end up, when this when this price got sub $2, was that a buy point for you on uh, Verstappen, or did you just stay off the Red Bulls entirely this weekend? And what he came down from minus four fifty to minus one eighty, I think it was a it was an easy buy point there. I did have Fernando Alonso also to win. I'm not gonna lie, this betting card for me did not work out as well as I hoped, just because of the hectic first lap incident, well, first corner incident, and all the stuff. Uh, Vegas again, as you come to a newer or well, new track. It's difficult to handicap. You, you can have ideas of what's going to happen. Like you can see Ferrari's going to do well here, which they did, right? Carlos Sainz, Charles Leclerc, great. You know that it was going to be a max win because, well, it's Max Verstappen, it's Red Bull, right? You knew there was going to be a recovery drive for Perez. That happened. We saw him qualify outside the points. As I said, he's not going to qualify that well. So you can get a good grasp of certain things that could happen, but in terms of like betting, you're, you're trying to foresee certain situations that you can't really foresee because you have no idea they're going to happen. No, yeah, no doubt. Well, that's part of the variance that comes with betting into a track where we have zero data, zero results, unless you want to count the early 80s to really go off of. So uh, Verstappen gets the win. Perez completes the double podium for the Red Bull. And Charles Leclerc of Ferrari gets pull and then ends up taking second in the race. From the outside, if we just take away, Mikhail, that opening lap collision, which derailed a couple of different drivers' races, and as you talk about, really altered a lot of the philosophy and strategy going forward. As we file things away for next year, now that we, because we have year one of a 10-year Vegas F1 contract now in the books, what was your big takeaway just from how the cars ended up actually looking on the track, given how long of a circuit this was, second longest in F1 on the per lap basis, and uh, and and what the weather, V tires, um, you know that whole formula, how that how that all played out? What was your big takeaway uh, just from the general perspective there? I think, um, as I've said when we were live on Saturday in the afternoon here, is that. Uh, Vegas came too early into F1. They had no idea what was going to happen. And I think they needed to wait in order to go and find a good balance of everything to work out. They rushed this entire thing. And it was not conducive to anyone, whether it be the people of Las Vegas, whether it be to 
any of the visitors and people who are going for the race because we know what happened in FP1, FP2. There's actually a current lawsuit going for Ferrari to the people of Las Vegas, or not people, but the people who organized Las Vegas Grand Prix, as well as from the people of Las Vegas who organized uh, Las Vegas Grand Prix. Like, it's, it's insane how there are already two lawsuits for this track, and it's it's not been that crazy of a race. This is It's just... Poor, poor planning, and it seemed to have caught out Vegas GP. And I can't say I'm surprised to see all this happen, but uh, too early to come into Formula One. They should have taken the time, planned it out right, and once they had their plan, just take the time to implement it. There was no need to rush it. No one was going to miss Vegas, but everyone was looking forward to it. And I'm going to say Vegas severely un- under-delivered on the track. They kicked out all the fans from FB1 and FB2. It, it was absolutely not worth watching the Grand Prix, given all this fact. It was just, it's, it's a, it was just complete utter disaster. And it, well, people hated F1. Well, they hate F1 even more now in the States because there's no way you can go and revive your reputation after what just happened this sure. past weekend. No, no, no doubt. And the, look, what happened in the first, Two practice sessions, just unconscionable. Not a shock to see lawsuits come. You you have to think, I, you know, I'm no lawyer, Mikhail, but you have to think that there's a, a pretty compelling case for uh, the folks pushing that lawsuit in, in the court of law. Certainly, they're on the right side of the court of public opinion. You know, what's interesting, though, I'm surprised to hear you say that just on, you know, if you talk about the race as a whole, how that was a letdown, because amidst a season where we've we've had very few races actually feel like they've been down to the wire, few few races with tons of overtaking you know the the biggest stretches of excitement we've had have been the big crashes this year and i think if you were to ask someone what was the the race you remember the most i probably would tell you melbourne just because of how insane that ending was and uh that would that would easily be the race i remember the most if you're asking me to think back through the season this had to be from a pure racing standpoint though mikhail a top five as far as actual entertainment when we actually got to race night no Um, see the race was phenomenal and if the build-up before that and the weekend, right from Thursday, Friday, maybe even Wednesday on, if that build-up was done perfectly, this race would have hit not just top five, but top three. It was so much fun watching these cars overtake, hitting the limits. They drove this piece of machinery to their limit. Every driver was poised with the question, are you able to handle it? We saw Landon Norris crash out. We saw Fernando Alonso spin out into going to the first corner. Carlos Sainz was another one of them, right? It's this race bought everything it needed to bring. But due to the fact that Vegas GP was underprepared to handle such disasters, it made this race just not enjoyable. Like to me, what, what makes a race enjoyable was that I can watch practice one, practice two. Practice three, qualifying that I can enjoy each and every day. Once Thursday night was ruined, I'm like, do I even want to watch Friday night? I fell asleep during qualifying. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, I, there's no point in watching this. I'd rather wake up and rewatch the highlights to see what the stuff is. Anytime you have a, a practice, yes, going till 4 a.m. local time, probably not a great uh, recipe for for sex success. We'll, we'll say it like that for sure. Uh, you know, and we still have the one race to go. We'll get into our full preview tomorrow on the uh, the pod, Mikhail, with with the, the transition out to Abu Dhabi. And as we go into some winners and losers here, 
because there's this perception that, okay, well, the season's been over for quite a while, ever since Red Bull. And we knew even before the Red Bull and Max Verstappen clinched the two championships that the season was basically over. But you've got a really compelling race now for second in the constructors and a really compelling race for fourth as well. So we kind of have teams here who are on dueling sides of the winners and losers in both of those races. We'll start for the race for second, where Mercedes finds their lead over Ferrari down to just four points as a team. Both drivers in the points, but you get George Russell, who causes a collision with with Max Verstappen, takes a five-second penalty, drops him from fourth uh, out of the top six. And then Lewis Hamilton just had one of those uh, races from hell, even though he's somehow able to uh, get into the points. You and I officially lose our bet on Hamilton to finish above Sergio Perez in the driver standings. And I saw the comments today from the team principal, Toto Wolff for Mercedes, coming out and saying, you know, we had the pace. We, w- we could have, should have, would have. Just didn't execute at the end of the day. What did you? How did you interpret those comments here from Mercedes, who clearly were a losing team coming out of the weekend? I think they were just uh, vi- victims of unfortunate circumstance. Unfortunately, I think Mercedes really did have the pace to show what they could do. It was just unfortunate timing and unfortunate events that just put them where they were. That's it. Period. Yeah, Hamilton seventh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, and it showed with the pace, right? He had he had two different just really bad breaks where he, especially the uh, having his uh, having the punctured tire right after he passes a pit lane and he had he basically had to take one lap uh, going at a super slow speed still ends up finishing seventh in the race and then as we watched George Russell he was uh, on pace to be a near podium finisher ends up eighth there uh, after uh, his penalty gets applied so you juxtapose that with Ferrari you had some interesting comments you found from the lead driver Charles Leclerc who does not win from pole that is uh, yet another race where Leclerc's been able to hang on to pole position but he came out really uh, really happy right with how the the overall performance from both himself individually and the team went well why not hear from Charles Leclerc himself today I didn't leave anything on the table I honestly maximized absolutely everything uh, maybe the start uh, but then we got unlucky with the safety car it was only five laps after we had boxed which is the worst moment really for the tires because you start to warm them up and then you cool them down and then it's very difficult to restart the tires and to rewarm them and then we struggle for the second half of the race which is a shame but on the other hand I mean as much as I'm very tough with myself whenever I do a mistake I'm also um, yeah I recognize when I do a good job myself and today honestly was a really really good race and I'm really happy all right thanks uh yeah thanks Charles for joining for <laughs> for joining us on the show well we're down to one race though Mikhail and, and with that it's interesting to hear him talk about that right because uh, it's been an unimpressive season from Leclerc but he's now 12 within 12 points of his teammate Carlos Sainz who finishes sixth we talked mid-season about the prop bets being offered at a couple books where you could still have bet on into mid-season signs versus Leclerc, full season points, and you were getting signs at a, at a, still at a dog price. Science has looked like he's in position to win that, but now here comes Leclerc who uh, puts together a really good bounce back after that disaster going back to Brazil where his car completely malfunctions on the formation lap. Yeah, so the one thing that I do want to point out is look at Charles' demeanor. He is now behaving as someone who is ready to win, right? When you have that, it changes everything. When you make a mistake, it's it's amplified. And when you drive perfectly, exactly how you meant to, that's even amplified. So here is Charles Leclerc, who I've... 
his woes of the season, I think, have come to an end. I think next season we might be able to see Charles Leclerc find himself again and just race like there's nothing there. Just be comfortable in racing himself. That's what Charles Leclerc has to do. And I feel like we are there right now, and I'm going to enjoy watching Charles race moving forward. But, yeah, it's just it was just unfortunate with the safety car and everything. But Ferrari gave it their all, and we saw it paid dividends for them. Yeah, and look, maybe it's taken the entire season essentially to get this thing right from the team principal aspect with Frederick Vassour and, and the whole strategy, right? But at least you can take this forward into next year. We were super optimistic that Ferrari would have all the pieces coming together. At least a winner coming out of the Las Vegas Grand Prix and a really good battle for this weekend, Mercedes v. Ferrari. Those two teams separated now in the constructors by just four points. All right, we've got some other winners and losers. Uh, I did not have a great week if if you were listening to the uh, show last week. So we'll take a quick break. We need to dive into what went wrong for the McLaren, for the Williams. We'll do that next. Talk some other winners and losers here as we wrap up our Vegas Grand Prix recap show on the Beeson F1 Betting Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome to VEASAN's F1 Betting Podcast. The only F1 handicap you'll ever need. Here are your hosts, F1 technical analyst, Mikhail Miranda, and betting expert, Ben Wilson. Okay, Mikhail, I'm sitting there early Saturday morning after watching the Friday Night Qualifying and going, all right, did I just already mark down this uh, Williams top 10 Alex Albon ticket I have in my account? Uh, do, I, do I mark it down as a winner now? Do I at least wait till the race starts and he avoids a, avoids a crash? And I'm thinking, wow, how good did the Williams look? Two drivers into uh, Q3, each into the top six, and then it just all went south and they're getting passed left and right. Neither driver finishes in the points. Logan Sargent had a he thought it was his best chance of the year to get points. Didn't work out. And uh, the bet I really liked, Albon minus 140 to finish in the top 10, uh, 145 actually. Uh, that does not pan out either. So uh, what happened, Mikhail, to the Williams in Vegas? I was looking at I just think that the Williams, when it came down to putting in the fuel of the car and everything, it just 
it couldn't add up. It couldn't do its job. I think James Val is going to take a look at that to see because uh, that's been one of their Achilles heel as well, was they can do a really great qualifying and at times they could put the car at the points. But when it comes to a track that requires the maximum of the car and the car just couldn't deliver, that becomes to be questioned. Also, it was unfortunate again with safety car and everything. Like Some teams just did not maximize the safety car. Some teams did. So uh, that's all that it comes down to. We saw Oscar Piastri pit again for another pair of hard tires, went on, and he was in P4 for the for the remainder of the race until where he had to pit to change tires because, again, that's one of the technical directives for every race. You have to change tire compounds, so he did change it to the mediums, which he still finished in the top 10, right? So another thing to look at is that maybe these tire compounds weren't the right ones. Everyone loved the hard compounds. So maybe let's move the compounds up. Instead of doing C3, C4, C5, we go C2, C3, C4. That could change everything, right? Because then your hard tie becomes a medium tie here. And now you play with strategies. Again, as Charles said, that once you get those ties warmed up, if they use ties, the safety car comes out and you cool them, the tire wanted to reheat these up to temperature changes. Right, it's longer now, so you get caught out, and cars just end up passing. Especially those you put on fresh boots and come out. Right, it doesn't matter if they use tires; they're just fresh boots for the race because they've been in a tire blanket, so they're ready to be up to temperature. And sometimes it's it's difficult to just to hit everything on the right mark. And we know McLaren at times have been questionable to say the least. Right, but again, uh, I feel like they're a team who's gone back into the infancy and are learning how to be better, right? With the stuff that happened in Russia, let's go back a couple years now, where Landon Norris came close to winning the race, right? That This team is really learning how to be a champion. So it's going to take them a while, a couple mistakes. Yes, they're eight-time constructor champions, but that's way back then. Everything has changed now, and I believe Zach Brown is leading the team into a great direction. So uh, sometimes teams just need to maximize everything that they have, and I believe Williams did their best. It's just that their strategy didn't line up with what happened on the track, and then it came down to question, like, do we pit again, or do we just leave the cars out? And that's what happened. So uh, unfortunate circumstances, but I think the team will learn from this, and they'll try to figure out the best game plan moving forward. Well, it's a good point when you think about just relative to performance against your market value and where that's been all season. And going back a few years, Williams have been a team consistently at the bottom of the constructors, zero expectations. And this is the first year in a while now, Mikhail, where you go into each race expecting, okay, this is a legitimate chance, especially in certain circuits in Las Vegas, looked on paper like one of them, where the expectation all of a sudden shifts now. It's no longer, okay, they'll lucky, they'll be lucky just to be in the points conversation. It's now the expectation where Alex Albon was a pretty good minus money favorite to finish in the points and has been that way now for a few races running. So they can make a good point. McLaren is another uh, sort of another story in of itself because of the, the huge improvements that have been made. And we've also in a similar fashion come to now the expectation of, you know, Lando Norris at minus money to finish on the podium before the qualifying got underway. Yeah, not a crazy thing anymore. I actually, <laughs> I liked uh, Norris's of prospects heading into Vegas, and then it just all went wrong. Neither McLaren get out of Q1, 
you get the, the crash from Lando Norris, that good to see was all right and uh, cleared all the protocols coming out of that crash. But he, do, he goes down pretty early and it took a, a, a fortuitous break, as you talked about, Mikhail, with the pit stop strategy for Oscar Piastri to ultimately find his way um, into the points here. So for a McLaren team that started off so bad, had been so strong for the better part of two months, uh, what did that race tell you about the McLaren here with the one race still to go? Uh, McLaren have a long way of understanding their car, right? They said they couldn't find the right balance. And for a team, I get that free practice one was, it ended abruptly after nine minutes. But if every other team can figure out what they need to do, why is it that a team who has made such ingrowns was unable to determine the best form for their car, right? It's questionable there. So McLaren, they've got their new concept in. Now it's time that they understand the new concept. It's time they figure out how everything ebbs and flows in order to get the best out of the car and out of the drivers every weekend. We saw, we Everyone thought that McLaren, well, they have these horrendous runs in qualifying and great pace in doing the race, and they did. Lando Norris unfortunately crashed out. The tires were just cold and he could not get the rotation and everything in. And so it was a heavy crash out. But if you look at Oscar Piastri, great run, right? Everyone had trouble on the medium tires. Even Max Verstappen himself said that, hey, when we got to the mediums, it just it died off so quickly. We just weren't good. The car just didn't feel right on the medium. The moment I put on the horse, the car came alive. I was able to overtake. And that's how Max overtook for P1 against Charles Leclerc, right? So certain teams have inclinations to certain compounds of tires, but that doesn't mean that you can't find the right balance and uh, these teams need to be able to determine what is the best possible setup to go into qualifying as well as the race. You can't pick and choose which one works for you because you get no points for qualifying, absolutely zero points. So it doesn't really matter where you qualify if you can't keep those positions. Yeah, and it, it brings up an interesting, an interesting race now because McLaren – the lead over Aston Martin for fourth in the constructors is down to 11. And remember, all these places in the constructors, there's a big, uh, big discrepancies as far as the, you know, the allocation you get money-wise. So big financial implications here by each place you're getting in the constructors. So these, these battles do matter as we go into the final race week. And uh, out of the you know, a losing column for McLaren, that's now pitted up against an Aston Martin team that has somehow found themselves here, Mikhail. That's one of our winners we'll talk about. Double points finish, looking pretty spry now. The last two weeks, Aston Martin, have looked like a totally different team. I feel like their upgrades are finally starting to work, but they don't look like, they don't look like a different team to me. It, it's been fortunate for what Lance Stroll was able to do. Great drive, but again, inconsistency. So as well as that's 11 points, let's go to Abu Dhabi. That's not one of Stroll's great tracks. So we need to see each individual driver and the team together as a whole. The driving driver pairing with Aston Martin is not that strong. Fernando Alonso has carried the team on his back. Literally, I'm not I'm not gonna say if his back breaks, I, it wouldn't be a surprise, but like let let's be honest, like all the points that Aston Martin has is due to Fernando Alonso. But if you look at the, all the points that McLaren have, it's both drivers, right? If one if one fails to secure points, the other one does so. They are trading 
points back and forth off and supporting the team. Fernando is the team and Aston Martin. Lance Stroll, very inconsistent, and I don't trust him in Karen's team. Yes, it's 11 points, but McLaren are the stronger team. Any day, McLaren is the stronger team. Hard to see a world in which you would have, anybody would have had the, the thought of Lance Stroll going from P19 to P5 on their uh, Las Vegas bingo card. But hey, if you did, congrats. Stroll passes up here, Gasly in the process for 10th now in the Drivers' Championship standings with one race to go. Uh, speaking of uh, mentioned uh, Pierre Gasly and, uh, and, and Alpine, it was an up-and-down weekend for the Alpine. What a great drive by uh, Esteban Ocon getting into the top six, finishing fourth. But Gasly was in such a promising position. His car didn't have much pace, slips out of the uh, top ten overall. That was an interesting week for kind of a, when you say microcosm of the Alpine season, Mikhail, you, you just have no idea what's going to happen race in, race out, up and down uh, within the same exact race for the two drivers. Absolutely. Uh, but I feel like over the past couple of races, they've actually looked a little bit more consistent. Now, uh, when it comes to batting, we always say four. That's an, that's an important number, right? Four. You want to look at the past four races, the past four games, the past four anything is what you're looking at. Four is an important number. So they've looked pretty consistent in the past four races. But now they're fighting for position in championships. It's not. It's no longer four. It's the remaining. Right. Let's look at the entire season as a whole. They've not been able to convince me that they're a good team to bet on week in week out. You're going to have to look at what the teams are doing each and every week. And when you have to do that much research and that much focus for a team every week, it can take your eye off the ball and. This is a betting podcast, making money from betting. That's the whole point that we're here for, right? And last time I checked, yes, it is. Yeah. And if, if we're focusing on what Alpine can do week in, week out, it's like you're not going to do anything from there. Well, that, that that just throw your money in the trash at that point. Or as Michael Lombardi on the Lombardi line and Jim Shuffle says, it's a St. Jude's play. So you, you have to take a holistic view at Alpine. Yes, they have up and down, but they're always up and down. I just want some consistency. I want them to focus on one aspect of the team and work on that. I think that will propel them so much more than having to have, let's fix the car here, let's do this, let's do this. Like, guys, figure out the one department that really needs work and work on that until you can get that to a good place. I'm going to say this. Ocon seems like a guy who's just, he's run hot and cold all year. This is three straight races finishing in the points. Uh, five of the last six now since having to uh, retire, um, not making it through the race in the, the previous uh, U.S. race we had in Austin. So he's in good form right now. Four points within his teammate Pierre Gasly in the Drivers' Championship with one race to go. All right, those are our takeaways from Las Vegas. We can now turn that attention and all the data we've gathered through the 20-plus races this year into one more. Abu Dhabi coming up this weekend. Mikhail, you and I will be back uh, before we hit uh, Thanksgiving. Some of us celebrate that uh, holiday, Mikhail. It's, a big, it's kind of a big deal here in the States, so we got to make sure we do a full preview before the Thanksgiving holiday. Give you all some, uh, hopefully some tasty bets to get into the account for the last race of the season in Abu Dhabi. Uh, we really appreciate all the all the support. Had great feedback as well uh, from the episode last week. It was a really fun week for all of us here, and we're, we're trying to finish strong. One more week to go. Hope the bets are a little bit better on the card for this week, but uh, we appreciate all of those of you who are subscribing, rating, listening uh, to us as well. So 
We'll come back, have another episode for you this week, previewing the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix as we say so long. He's Mikhail. I'm Ben. We'll catch you next time. One more in-season race preview to go here on the VEASAN F1 Betting Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.